As we've been saying over the last few weeks, uh, we're in a series called Conversation. We have four main conversations in life. We have a conversation with God. We have a conversation that goes on inside of ourself, with ourself. We have a conversation with each other, family, church family. And then as Christians, we're called to have a conversation about Jesus with our world and the people we brush shoulders with in our world. Every one of us is here today because the conversation about Jesus somehow was brought to you, and you responded, and, and you came to Christ, and that, that's why any and every one of us are in this building today. Someone brought the conversation to us. All of us have a story to tell about how we came to faith in Christ, how that all worked out, and uh, stories like that are very powerful, and so I'm inviting Scott and Tammy Kasana if they would come to the platform right now. And I've asked them to take just a few moments to tell us their story of coming to faith in Christ. Let's welcome them as they come. Here we are. There we are. And uh, I've asked them first a couple, three questions. The first question is this. Uh, simply, each of you take a moment, step up into the light. Oh, boy. <laughs> up into the light. Hold the mics up nice and okay. close. And just share with the uh, church family how each of you take a moment to share how you came to faith in Christ. What was going on in your life, the circumstances, uh, maybe when that happened, how it happened. Just fill us in a little bit on that. Why don't you go first because I'm long-winded. Sure. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, for me, I was 29 years old, so it was 15 years ago. Um, my brother invited me to a church very similar to this one, and uh, he, I, wouldn't wanna, I didn't want to go, and he finally bribed me with lunch. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> I went for the lunch, and uh, when he got there, the pastor was talking, and uh, I swore he wrote the sermon just for me. And I accused my brother at lunch that he was talking to the pastor. <laughs> but uh, I couldn't ignore it from that point forward. And I'm still here today, and that's how I came to know Christ. Great. Excellent. Um, I've, I've always had Christ in my life. My mom is a devout Catholic, and um, I've always had a strong faith. And up until about eight or nine years ago, about nine years ago, I walked away from my faith. Um, I was in a very dark uh, time in my life. I was going through a divorce, and uh, I was very depressed. And I actually walked in the doors of this church a little over seven years ago while I was in treatment for an eating disorder and depression, and I was um, drinking a lot. And um, I met Pastor, and we started talking, and I came up and I prayed with some couples that were up here. And um, I had a lot of people praying with me, and what I realized was that I was the one who had walked away from God. I was thinking that perhaps, you know, um, God had turned his back on me because of the things that I was doing and involved in, and that was not the case. It has never been the case and my faith is very strong, and I've always felt that it always has been strong, and um, it's, uh, you know, Scott and I, uh, when we met um, a little over five years ago on 3E Harmony, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I know is just so e weird Harmony to begin really with, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I told him I had started attending this church, 
And I wanted him to come and see if he liked it. Maybe we would find a church together. But he loved it from the very beginning, and we have been here ever since. So. That's great, and we're glad that you uh, are, have been here ever since. We're really grateful for that. And great, great stories of how God works. Uh, now, uh, so you answered a little bit of that question. Uh, how, yeah, how did you end up getting connected? You pretty much answered it. Anything else to add to that? Um, just that, you know, my life has, has been very different in the last seven and a half years. And um, I came to the realization that I was filling a God-shaped hole with, with a lot of other things that are negative that a lot of us can do. And it can be, you know, alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be, you know, gambling, uh, shopping, whatever, and we don't look to the Lord for that support and what we actually need. And it takes us down a road that, just like that song said, if you wait until you're better, you will not come. And um, I got to the point where I wasn't getting better, and I was getting worse, and I just thought my life was not, it didn't have any meaning. And um, the one thing I did talk to Pastor, and I wanted to clarify, was there are many of us sitting here that have problems and maybe need a meeting of some sort or anything, and you may look for something to help you, and it may say a meeting, I want to explain what a closed meeting and an open meeting is, because like there's Overeaters Anonymous and all that. Um, a closed meeting just means you have a desire <laughs> to not want to engage in that behavior anymore. That's the only requirement for attending any of those meetings. A open meeting is a meeting where you can take a family member with you or your loved ones or your children to show what that is all about and the things that you're doing to change your life. So closed does not mean that you have to be invited or anything like that. Just show up if you need some help. So. And, and you're referring to... On, on Monday evenings, mm-hmm. there is a group that meets here at the church every Monday evening. Tammy leads that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's for ladies. Yes. And anything else to say about that or, other than what you've just said? That's pretty much... Just to have a desire to want to change, that's all. Yep. So, so that's there on Monday evenings here at the church. Um, the only other question then is, uh, what's God doing in your lives currently? What's, how's he working in your lives? Go ahead. Well, uh, God's presented us with challenges in the last few weeks. <laughs> okay. Months. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, things around the house have broke and cost us money, but through it all, uh, we've had our faith and we've had each other, and so we get through. And all so right. it, it uh, you know, a lot of people, it would cause many, many problems, but uh, for us, it, you know, we laugh about it. Sometimes we cry a little bit, but... <laughs> <laughs> Laughter is our biggest medicine. I... I've had a son that just quit college, and he was um, suicidal is the only way I can put it. And uh, I have been there and felt that myself. And it is only my faith that had, has gotten me through that. Right. And um, there is, I have no doubt that that is what it is. Um, and then the help and asking for help, I always thought I was weak if I asked, asked for help. And that is not the case. Amen. Amen. I really appreciate you guys coming up here and opening up your hearts because it, it, it just shows us that this gospel we talk about all the time, this is real stuff. And, it, it, and you said it. You're, it's, what, it's our faith that gets us through. Life isn't easy. Even when we know Christ, it's not easy. But we have him as an anchor. So God bless you guys. Let's express our thanks to them for coming. Appreciate that. Well, um, you remember last week, 
that we began talking about uh, this whole new conversation, this whole new way of, uh, this whole new language that's developed around texting and tweeting. Uh, these abbreviations, and it really is, it's a whole dictionary of these abbrevi abbreviations. And I quizzed you guys last week, and I didn't stump you. Every one of those abbreviations, you, you came right back. You got it. So I'm, I'm going to get you this week, okay? <laughs> All right. So I've got three or four more. Now, I'm going to start with the easy one, I think. You'll get this one, I'm pretty sure. Uh, TMI. Easy. All right. S-L-A-P. <laughs> All right. This is not spelling class. Okay. All right. Anyone got that one? All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. Okay. It's good, isn't it? All right. Add that. Add that. Write that down. Now, then, I, I don't think you'll get this one either. O-A-T-U-S. On a totally unrelated subject. Okay. All right. You knew that one? Oh, you need that. Okay. Um, how about this one? M-T-F-B-Y-B-W-Y. May the force be with you? All right, okay. <laughs> I expect to see some of those as you text with me this week. Okay, I'll be using them on you. Uh, now, remember last week that we added another abbreviation. Remember that one? What is it? Bring a friend. B-A-F. And believe it or not, uh, in uh, one phone conversation and a couple texts this week, uh, at the end of the text, at the end of the phone conversation, the person added B-A-F. Okay, so that's, that's good. I like that. That made me really happy. So, all right. Now, we saw B-A-F, bring a friend. We saw that acted out in the message last week from the Scripture when we, saw, we looked at that story of the four men who cared enough to bring their paralyzed friend who had no way to get to Jesus. He was the only way, they were the only way he could get there. So they brought him to Jesus. Jesus was teaching in the house. The house was packed out the door. They couldn't get in. So these guys, so determined, so committed to bringing a friend, that they went up on top of the roof, tore a hole in the roof, and let the guy down in front of Jesus. And the result was this guy walked out of there with a brand new life inside and outside, a whole new future, because four friends brought him to Jesus. Now, this morning, we're going to pick up on what happened as soon as Jesus walked out of that house that, that day, because Jesus, um, well, he, he got into a conversation with another person who was in great need, a need who was very different but let, let me read the story for you, and then we're going to come back and, and walk through this story. Luke chapter 5 says this, after this, after he healed the, the paralyzed man and walked out of the house, Jesus went, he went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Now, back in those days, people often had two names, Simon Peter, uh, his name is also Matthew. So I'm going to refer to Levi as Matthew. That's his more common name. So the rest of the sermon, we've got, we're going to talk about Matthew here. Uh, anyway, Matthew was at his tax booth. Jesus said, follow me. 
And Levi got up, Matthew got up, left everything, and followed him. And then Matthew held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees, that is the religious leaders of the day, and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I like the way that passage starts. It says, after this, Jesus went out. And you know what? Uh, That was the whole direction of Jesus' heart. It was always a heart that went out. His whole direction in life was mission. He'd been sent on a mission, and that mission was to go out among people. So Jesus left the house, and he was practicing BAF. Jesus came from heaven in order to bring friends, to bring people into the kingdom of God. And if Jesus had not gone out that day, then this story that, we're, that we've just read and the change in this man Matthew's life, that story would never, ever have happened. And the fact is, if, uh, if Scott's brother had not gone out and invited Scott to church, then Scott, your, you would not have stood up here and told the story that you told today. And Tammy your mom and other people over the course of your life and the people when you were eight years ago, things were falling apart, the people that reached out to you, you wouldn't come up here and tell that story today if someone hadn't went out in Jesus' love and in Jesus' name. And that's true of us all in here today. So it's, that was the direction of his life. Now the thing about it here is, though, that Jesus uh, says when he went out, he saw a tax collector. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the tax collectors in those days. They would, uh, they, I guess they would be the ancient IRS, okay? But, but their reputation, I, I, I guess the reputation of the IRSS, our IRS isn't all that great today, okay? But the, the reputation of tax collectors in, this, in that day was horrible because they were hired by the Roman government. They were Jewish people. They were Jewish people who gave up their religion, gave up their patriotism, became traitors to be hired by the Roman government, and then they turned right around and patted their purses off the backs of their fellow Jews. They were hated. They were considered thieves and robbers. They were the the scum of the society. They were disassociated from the society. Well, Jesus walked out, and he saw Matthew on the job at his tax booth. And he walked up to Matthew. Now, let me, let me comment first here. It says, when it says Jesus saw Matthew, it doesn't mean, just mean that he happened to pass through this, you know, the, his line of vision, okay? Uh, when it says Jesus saw Matthew, it means he saw Matthew. He saw under the surface of Matthew. He saw Matthew as a person. He saw Matthew in his need. He saw beyond the stigma that society had heaped upon him. And he walks up to Matthew, and he says, follow me. He was calling Matthew into his inner court (laughs) to be one of his prime followers, the most unlikely of people. Isn't it something how God can bring the most unlikely of people into his inner circle, into fellowship with him? 
Well, we're about to see that unfold in Matthew's life. Now, I don't know, maybe Matthew had heard about what just happened in the paralyzed man's house, or maybe the reputation of Jesus had already come to Matthew. But I know this, that Matthew would never have expected Jesus to approach him and speak to him personally. Because like I said, Matthew wasn't a religious guy. He had given up his religion. Now, among the Jewish people, patriotism and, and faithfulness to the religion of the Jews, that was, that was the core, that was, that was all important. They were the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were the descendants of Moses who gave them the law that said, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet. They were the children of the prophets who had called all the Jews to be for all generations faithful to their covenant God. But Matthew had tossed that all aside for money. But you know, I would bet deep down inside, Matthew didn't like himself very much either. I'll bet. But he did like money. (laughs) So he was willing to go that route. Jesus saw him and came to him. And there was such a power in Jesus that day and such an emptiness in Matthew's heart that Matthew dropped his whole career. He, he dropped it in a moment, in an instant. And when, Je- now, when Jesus had called Peter and Andrew and James and John, the fishermen, when he had called them, oh, maybe a few weeks or a few months before to be his followers, uh, now these guys, if things got rough or tough, they could always go back to their fishing trade. The boats were there, the lake was there, the fish were there, they could go back. But you know what? When Matthew made this momentous decision to follow Jesus, it wasn't that easy to to quit the job that Rome had hired you for and then go back and get that job again. Most likely you wouldn't. So Matthew paid a big price when he made that decision to follow Christ. And that's a good reminder to every follower of Christ, isn't it? How passionate? What place does he have? Is Is he that pearl of great price? Is he that treasure that's above all other treasures that we found that we would just give everything else up for in this world? That's the way it was for Matthew. Well, how could Matthew make such a momentous decision so quickly? Wasn't that a rash decision? Well, you know, some people come to faith in Christ as a process. Over a period of time, the Holy Spirit convicts them and draws their hearts and works in their hearts and uses circumstances and people. And maybe it can take a year. It might take 20 years. It might take 50 years for a person to come to Christ sometimes. But then there's those other people that they walk into a church or someone on the job shares the gospel with them, and it's the first time they ever hear it, it, the reality and the power of it just overwhelms them. And they say, Lord, I I want that right now, and I I receive you. And let me take a poll here. How many of you was it more of a process by which you came to Christ, would you say? Lift your hand. A process. Now, are there any here that, sort of like Matthew, that you heard the gospel one day? Wow, oh, wow, that's it. Any of you here? Okay, all right, okay. See, isn't down to this day. We never know when we go out sharing this gospel, the response that people are going to... We're either planting a seed that might get reaped in a year or 10 years, or we might be planting the seed that right there, get, we harvest the fruit that very day and lead that person to Christ. That's what happened to Matthew here. Anyway, now, um, the first thing Matthew did was he threw a big celebration for all of his IRS friends, his fellow crooks. Uh, he practiced BAF, big time. 
The, the scripture says it was a huge banquet. A lot of people were there. I don't know how many, 30, 40, 50, I don't know. But P- Matthew went out one by one, and he brought friends. He, he gave an invitation to his house to come and meet Jesus. Uh, why is that? <laughs> Matthew didn't want to go to heaven alone. He wanted to take as many of his friends and family with him as he could take with him to heaven. Uh, and Matthew now saw his friends in a totally new way. He saw them like Jesus saw them now. He saw beneath the surface. He didn't see people as someone I can rip off. He saw people as someone, oh man, I want this person to find what I found. And so he went out just like Jesus did, and one by one, his friends came to the dinner. Now let me ask you this question. Matthew has big plans, a big agenda here. He's got a big party going. Uh, How busy was Jesus? If anyone ever lived uh, by the seven habits of highly effective people, if anyone ever measured every moment to get everything out of it they possibly could, to make sure it fulfilled a mission, a purpose, that's Jesus. Jesus only had three years. He had a limited time. But you know what he did? He put at the top of his priority list that day, I'm going to go to that party attended by the most looked down upon, the most despised group of people in this society. I'm going to that party, and not a team of horses will keep me away from it. I'm going to be with those people who just sold their religion and their patriotism to make money. I'm going to be there with them. Now, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, who always kept a critical eye on Jesus because they were always trying to show that he wasn't really a holy or a religious man, that he was really a fraud. They thought they had finally trapped him when they saw that he was actually at this party. Now, Peter, Andrew, here's what what they did. Their tactic was sort of divisive. They tried to drive a wedge between Jesus and his disciples. Um, and uh, so they went to the disciples and said, asked them this question, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you doing that? They didn't go to Jesus with the question. They went to his disciples. In other words, what they were trying to do, I think, was they were saying, look, look at your master. Look where he's led you. Look at who you're eating with. What are you guys doing? Isn't this enough to prove to you that this Jesus has deceived you? He is no holy man. If he was, he wouldn't be within 100 miles of this crowd. But look at him over there. He's enjoying himself. He's laughing. He's listening. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that the disciples themselves were a little bit puzzled (laughs) about their being there that day and why the Lord was there? They had only been following Jesus a short time. Now, do you think they really got it yet that this is what exactly what he was calling them to do and he was going to be sending them out to do? Do you think they thought that maybe this time Jesus had just stepped across one social barrier that he should not have crossed? Well, Jesus overheard the question. And so in chapter 5, verses 31 and 32 says, he gave gave a profound answer, as he always did, uh, to why he was hanging out with sinners. And this is what he said. He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. 
And I have not come to call the righteous or those who think they're righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. Now, here is Jesus' diagnosis of humanity right there. That's why it's such an important statement. He said that all of us are sick. He said that all of us are really, really, really sick. He said that all of humanity, all of us, we're dying. And that his whole purpose in coming into this earth was to move among the sick, the spiritually dying. We have a spiritual sickness. And the spiritual sickness is sin. And sin is not just bad behavior. That is sin, but sin goes a lot deeper than that. Sin is not just, um, well, Matthew's list of sins, coveting, greed, lying, ripping people off, narcissism, selfishness, he only cared about himself. Those are external sins. Those are, those are, that's a list of sins. Uh, there's other s- lists of sins we could go down here today. I mean, pornography is a sin. Uh, hating people is a sin. Uh, unforgiveness is a sin. Um, road rage <laughs> is a sin. <laughs> okay, just reminding, road rage <laughs> is a sin. Uh, I'm listening to it myself. Uh, cursing. Um, rooting for the White Sox, okay? <laughs> you need to join the righteous ones on the north side, okay? Now, that's a forgivable one, okay? It's forgivable. Okay, but here's the point. Uh, sin is not just the bad behavior. Sin goes a lot deeper. Sin is, at its root, an infection of our human nature. It's an infection that entered into the human will when our first parents, Adam and Eve, chose to walk away from God, to exercise their will above God's will. And at that very moment, the whole human family tree that was in them was infected so that every human being since who is born into the world is born with a a human nature, a will that is bent away from God, bent toward doing our own thing, bent toward making our own way, our own beliefs, our own boundaries, our own morality, our own religion, or our own non-religion, doing it our way. Now, even, what about, what about infants? What about children? Our children come into this world with a, a nature that's bent away from God? Yeah, we all did. Uh, now, when it comes to a child, you know, the Bible teaches that there's a, there's a period of innocence in a child. It's called the age of accountability. And so up until a child reaches the age of understanding moral things, being able to make moral choices... That child is innocent in God's sight. So so if a child passes away, that child immediately goes to be with the Lord. Jesus said, bring the little children to me. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. One time he was teaching. He stood a little child in front of him. He said, 
If you want to know what the kingdom of God is like and what it's like to enter it, take a look at this child. Humility, ready to believe, trusting. Okay? So, so I don't want us to be confused on that. But in every human being who's born, once that age of accountability comes, sin will reveal itself. And that's our disease. Jesus came to heal us of that disease. And he's the only one who can. I'll get to that in a moment. Let me say three things about this sin sickness. It is deadly. It's deadly. Number one, it's self-deceptive. Because we all deny that we're sick. Most of us tend to do this with our physical sicknesses, don't we? How many of us get physically sick or think we might be sick? We don't go to the doctor. We put that off. We don't want to go get checked out. Why? Because we don't want to face the fact that, you know what, I might have something wrong with me. That's even more true with this spiritual infection because it goes deeper. And we, have to, we don't have to just face our, our physiology. We have to face our, our soul's anatomy. <laughs> you know, we, have to, we have to face ourselves as a human being when it comes to this question of the sin infection. And most of us don't want to face ourselves at that deep of a level. What we would rather do is build an image around ourselves. But Jesus came to say, we have to let all that go if we want him to bring the cure into our hearts. Well, the second thing about this sin, this infection is this, that because it's self-deceptive and we deny it, we become, it builds resistance in us toward God. Um, resistance to being treated. So we end up fighting against God, refusing to surrender to God. Now, can you imagine yourself getting into the ring with God? God's in one corner, and you're in the other corner, and you're out there on the mat thinking that you can pin God you can beat God. Well, that's this infection of sin. Self-will thinks it can outdo God. It can, it can find a better way than God. Uh, it's just not the way it works. Uh, we have a congressman who recently, young congressman, great star, shining star. But evidently, there's something going on inside of his life. Maybe sort of similar to what Matthew had, you know, Fame and money and greed and uh, and he decorated his office to look like Downton Abbey. <laughs> All of you Downton Abbey fans, you know what that's that's like. Uh, but here's the thing: Jesus came into the world for Matthew, and he also came into the world for Aaron Shock, didn't he? And so, no matter where we fall into. No matter how much we have this sin infection inside of us, Jesus, if we'll open our hearts to him, no matter who we are, Matthew or Aaron, he's there to receive us and make us a new person. Now, the third thing about this deadliness of sin is this, that it's eternal. The, The sickness is eternal. It gets worse and worse over time, and it stretches on into eternity. Uh, It robs a person of their humanity until... The sickness totally defines that person. It eats away at the image of God in which we were created and replaces it very sadly and tragically with the image of Satan. Uh, And that's to spend eternity lost, to be away from God for all of eternity. 
That's a reason why we go out. That's why Jesus came into the world. Because we're lost. We're sick and we are lost without him. And every human being on planet earth, that's the case. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There is no one who comes to the Father except through me. So, so there's only one cure. Jesus came into the world. He went to the cross to die for your sins and for my sins and for this infection. He took the infection, the full injection on the cross so that the poison could be drained out of us and we could be given a new heart and a new future in life. There's only one treatment to receive the cure. In verse number 32, Jesus said, I came to call sinners to repentance. What does repent mean? It means to see your sin for what it is, to call it what it is, and then to confess it to the Lord and ask to be forgiven. Repent is the word for doing a U-turn. A person is walking away from God in your sin infection. You do a U-turn back to God, admitting your sin and letting him forgive you and give you a brand new heart. In fact, his very own heart he shares with you so that his desires and his ambitions and his aspirations now become yours. That's the basis and the power of living a brand new life in Christ. We don't have it in ourselves. When we receive him, Jesus comes into our life, and he brings with him all of his moral strength, all of his grace, all of his love. And that's what begins to pulsate and flow through us. That's what gives us the ability to be a new person. So if you're here this morning, and you have never come to this place of repentance, of real sorrow for your sin, for ignoring God or resisting God, Jesus is here in this house just like he was in Matthew's house that day. And you can come to him right now. He will gladly receive you. And then we'll all celebrate with you just like Matthew throughout this big celebration. In fact, in two weeks from today, Pastor Spence mentioned this, two weeks from today on Easter Sunday morning, we're going to have a huge, huge celebration. Uh, we're going to celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And as part of that, we are going to give people opportunity who've come to Christ to stand in front of the world and their friends and this church family and be baptized in water, which is what Jesus called everyone who chooses to follow him. He said, I want you to get baptized. And, he, he, and the reason for it is, is because when you're lowered into the water, that's a picture of the cleansing. That's a picture of the old life being cleansed away and all the sins forgiven. And when you're raised up out of the water, that's a picture of the new you that's just risen to a brand new future and a brand new life. And I'll tell you what, I don't think there's any greater services we have around here than those days when we see people stand up here and get baptized and just say, this is what, who I was and now this is who I am in Christ. So if you haven't, if you are a follower of Christ and you have not yet taken that step to be baptized in water, don't let fear of water. <laughs> I, I always tell people, I have never, ever in hundreds of people I've baptized. I've always brought them back up out of the water, okay? Don't fear that. Uh, and don't let fear of public scare you out of this. No, I'll tell you what. I think everybody who's taken the step will tell you 
it is one of the most profound blessings. It's a great blessing. It solidifies that commitment that you have to Christ. So fill out that connection card. If you haven't been baptized, fill that thing out. Put on there your name, your contact information. I want to get baptized. And we will follow up and call you to give you more details and instructions. That's the big party in two weeks. Now, I want to talk to all of us uh, Christ followers for just a minute now. As followers of Jesus who have received the cure, we go out into our world each day, our communities, our workplaces. In fact, where did Jesus, uh, where did Jesus practice bring a friend? He went to Matthew's workplace. That's where the connection took place. Uh, so we, we go out into our world with the same heart to bring friends to Christ. Another analogy would be this. We are very much going out just like Mother Teresa did when she lived in Calcutta, India. Every day Mother Teresa walked out on those streets. She was walking out among people who were so sick that they were laying in the streets and they were dying and they were in skeletal, skeletal kinds of conditions. It was heartbreaking. She spent her whole life there. Now, the only difference between where Mother Teresa and you and I is this. That the people who are desperately sick and spiritually dying here in the United States, most of them are wearing pretty nice clothes. They are working out at the gym. They look really sharp, good physically, many. They're making good money. They have good careers. They're cool. They're hip. They're technologically savvy. They're riding in nice cars. But if our eyes are really open, like Jesus, then we really will see a condition far worse than what Mother Teresa even saw on the streets of Calcutta as far as the people that we meet every single day. They are spiritually emaciated. They're dying. There's hardly any spiritual, spiritual, there's hardly any flesh left on their bones, spiritually speaking. In reality, you and I walk every day out the doors of this church, out the doors of our homes, into a disaster area, a spiritual disaster scene that calls for every church, every Christ follower, to be part of the first response team of Jesus Christ, caring for the diseased and the wounded in our world. We recently have had the Ebola scare, the measles scare. Both of them are deadly. They caught the attention of our nation. We're concerned to get the vaccines. Every day we go out, we go out as the Lord's medics. He empowers us with the Holy Spirit who will open up opportunities for us to have influence in conversation with people who desperately need Jesus. The Holy Spirit is in the world to draw people toward Christ. And this is why we go out each day praying and, and trusting in the Holy Spirit to open up those doors of opportunity. And I want you to remember this too. We, I, we need to remember this, that as you go out into this world, you're not only facing the spiritual sickness of people, but you are facing the evil one who is the sickest of all. Satan, who is a purely psychotic being with a psychotic, unredeemable hatred for God who seduced human beings into his own disease, into his own sickness. And Satan will resist your efforts to bring the cure 
to offer the cure to the people who are around you. It is a spiritual battle zone. Satan holds people prisoners, and he doesn't want to let them go. Jesus died to break the chains and bring the cure, and you and I are the missionaries to bring that message of freedom. And the same Holy Spirit is in, the Holy Spirit who is in us is far more powerful than Satan. Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. And you can go into the world every day confessing that as you go, and Satan cannot stand before the person that's standing in the power of the cross. Here's something I really believe. If the church, if you and I join the Holy Spirit where he is, then the church will come into a kind of unity of the Spirit that positions us for the pouring out of his power in a way we've never seen before. And the reason I say that is this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and and you will be my witnesses. You're going to be out there in the world carrying out the conversation in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. So what Jesus did in Acts 1-8 was he connected the power of the Spirit to the carrying out of the mission of the church. So where is the Holy Spirit today? The, Sp- the Holy Spirit is out there. He's out on the front lines to bring the cure for sins in the name of Jesus. We will be moving in the Spirit when we have an outward heart, just like the Holy Spirit has. I don't believe we can just sit in church and wait for the Spirit to move. The Holy Spirit is moving among those who are moving outside the walls of the church to redeem lost human beings. When we get on mission with the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will move outside and inside His church. The Holy Spirit is a missionary Holy Spirit calling a church of missionaries to go with Him into the world. There is a unity that comes to a church doing spiritual triage, working together to save the sick and the injured, and it is asking, this is when the Holy Spirit is present and moving in all of His power when the church is on mission. Now, Sometimes we wonder, where are all the signs and wonders? Where are all the signs and wonders? Could it be that we must join the Spirit where the Spirit is? I hear stories all the time of missionaries who are breaking new ground in in areas of the world where the gospel has never penetrated any of the darkness. And you know what? Usually accompanying that first, usually accompanying those missionaries that are right out there on the frontier of taking the gospel are signs and wonders and healings and all kinds of things. That's where the Holy Spirit is. And I believe as the church in America comes back to to a passion like Jesus has, like the Holy Spirit has, Lord, I'm going out in my world today. I'm not going to go out and be obnoxious. I'm not going to go out and be abnormal. But I'm praying, God, that you will open opportunities for me to share the conversation, to have an influence, to just tell someone, I'll pray for you. I'll care about you. To, to hand them out an invitation, God, to, to have an influence for Christ so that we're not just going to heaven ourselves, but we are passionate about taking a lot of people with us on our way to heaven. That's where the Holy Spirit's doing his work. In the world, 
the church joins him, that's where the power of the Spirit is. That's where the moving of the Spirit of God is. Let me, let me paraphrase Acts 1.8, and then we're going to wrap it up. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And in that power, you will go into Jerusalem. What is our Jerusalem? Our local communities, Lamont, Lockport, Homer, Darien, Downers Grove, Woodridge, Orland, Romeo, Bolingbrook. I've missed a few, I'm sure. The workplaces, the neighborhoods, the businesses, the recreation centers, the restaurants. That's our Jerusalem. Uh, then into Judea. What's our Judea? Well, maybe Chicagoland is our Judea. It's the larger concentric circle. And then he also added into Samaria. Now, you know, Jesus could have skipped Samaria there. He could have just said Jerusalem, Judea, and the whole world. But he inserted Samaria. You know why he inserted Samaria? Because, because the Jewish people hated the Samaritans. They hated them. Because they were, they were, they were mixed, mixed blood Jewish people. Mixed with the Gentiles. They had no time for them. But here, right in, the, right in the heart of the mission of the church, Jesus says, break all those walls down. Break all those prejudices. Take this conversation to every human being with my love. And bring them to Christ. Invite them to Christ. And then he says, into all the world. That's where we go through our 31 missionaries that we support. And may we, may we raise enough money to help them double their efforts because we have a passion burning inside. We want to take people to heaven. We want to take people to heaven with us here and across the nations. Just That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of the Holy Spirit. So our homework is Good Friday's coming up and Easter. We have these cards. We're going to hand them out again today as you head out. If you have opportunity this week, invite someone to Good Friday or Easter. Have them come. Uh, but then you can have them come next Sunday too. It's, or you can have them come the Sunday after that. Every Sunday, every Sunday is a great Sunday to have someone come, okay? Uh, or love and respect. Maybe you're working with someone, a family member who marriage strengthened. Here's a card. It's on the information desk for the love and respect seminar coming up this week. Uh, Whenever you come to small group, life group, who, well, who do you think you might be able to bring with you to that? Youth and kids programs here at the church, Awana. Ah, parents, parents want their kids in healthy places. Great opportunity for us to invite, to bring people in uh, so they can hear the gospel, be part of that. So that's, that's the heart of Jesus. And um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Lord, oh God, uh, help us to have that heart. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that that heart is beating inside of this church family. Lord, I just pray that it'll beat in all of our hearts even more, even more, oh Lord, and, uh, because that's the mission that you gave us. So, Father, help us to see people like you see people and then give us those open doors of opportunity, Lord, to to share, to influence, to invite, to, so that people can come to know you. And Lord, uh, we ask today that uh, you will just let this message sink in. And if there's any person in this room today that is making their own decision to invite Jesus Christ into their life and to receive him as their Savior, I pray, Father, that this will be a profound moment for them uh, as you reveal your presence to them and your love and salvation and your forgiveness, and we give you praise. We pray all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.